Hello, everybody. We are starting off this episode with a trigger warning. In this episode, we talk heavily about mental health, suicide. We talk about racial issues, unhealthy relationships with social media. If these things are anything that could trigger you, this is not the podcast for you. We are going to put links in our description to mental health services if you need to reach out for help. But we will see you um, on another podcast where we talk about things that aren't this. Um, yep. But if you are staying to listen to the podcast, we hope you enjoy this as much as we enjoyed recording it. What's up, Swag Bosses 2.0? This is Bo Burnham's Inside 2.0. Let's go. Um, if, you so missed, I, <laughs> if you missed part one last week, you might want to go listen to that. We give you a little uh, background on where we've been for the last couple of weeks and how our lives are going. And then we break down the first little part of uh, Inside. And welcome back for part two, where we go even deeper and get even sadder. Oh, yeah. Oh boy, we're just going to transition real quick right into that episode because you know what's happened to us this week. <laughs> yeah, segues are really weird, you know, um, so there might not be any smooth transition and I think you should cut it off. Uh, next, the little bit between problematic um, and the next oh, song is... ATL? No, it oh, is yeah. the clock bit. Um, where he's like I'm working on this for six months and I want to finish this by the time I'm 30 but I turned 30 in less than a minute now Um, that clock bit I would I for some reason want just like an 1159 tattoo um, which I shouldn't get Um, but next is next is 30 which again it gives this feeling of being like 10 steps behind everyone in life, which is a feeling I constantly feel. I feel that all the time right now. I feel like I'm, a lot of my friends are in like very loving, healthy relationships to the point where they're like talking about getting married or like wanting to get married. And I'm just like, I work at Starbucks and I don't know, I have mental illness. I Drunk elephant sent me some stuff, but like, that's all I got going for me. Yeah, I... You and I have been talking a lot, well, not recently, but at the beginning of the year, we're talking a lot about that feeling of behind because it is something that we've been sort of toying with for a thing that we're writing. Um, a thing that we're writing, ha ha ha. It's not like we don't talk about that thing all the time. Um, but that it's such like a, it, okay. Have you ever heard of Peter Pan syndrome? Oh yeah. You know, like when people feel like they're stuck in like their teenage years, et cetera. Um, it's like the opposite of that. It's like, wanting to be in wanting to be that ideal of an adult that we can't possibly be because it doesn't exist you know I was watching um an episode of Trixie and Katya's show um yeah exactly (laughs) um we talk about whatever we want because it's our show and not yours yours. wait who between the two of us who's Trixie and who's Katya I feel like I'm Katya probably because I say all the stupid stuff but like, well, no, they both say stupid stuff. I'm more of a disaster though, so. Yeah, uh, fair. And fair, Trixie's fair. in a in a very loving relationship. Fair, 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 fair. Me? Um, no. <laughs> I was watching their disappointment episode, which I think just came out a couple of days ago. And one of the things that they said is a disappointment is becoming an adult. 
because you, oh, see, yeah. you see your parents, you see these adults who have like figured it all out and then you reach it and you're like, so when am I going to be that? When am I going to have it figured out? And you're never going to figure it out because nobody's got it figured out. We're all just trying our best. Ha ha ha. And like 30 is a really good example of, for me, a really good example of like, when am I going to get there? When am I going to be that person? And it's like, you're never going to be that person. You are the person you are right now in this moment. But there's still so much pressure to be your age, to act your age. And like, I don't like to tell people how old I am. because Not because I'm able to perceive me as younger, but because I'm constantly perceived as older. And I'm afraid that if people find out how young I am, they're going to discredit all that I have done and intend to do, you know? So I try not to talk about how old I am. Um, people are constantly, you know, thinking I'm pushing 30. I am not. <laughs> um, I'm turning 30. Sorry. Um, what was I saying? God damn it, B. But like, there's so much pressure to act your age. And it's like, what does that even mean? Yeah, literally. Don't age. tell me to act my age. Age is tell me how to act my age. Right? You act your own age. If you're going to tell me how to act my age, you're going to tell me what the to-do list is. Like, literally. Like, there's so much pressure. Okay, at 18, you go into college. At 21, you graduate. By 25, you're married. By 30, you've got two kids and a, a big Absolutely. mansion on the hill, you know? And you're making all this money. And it's like, okay, maybe that worked in the 50s, but like, we now have the power to decide who we want to be and to decide our lives. Is that really what I want? You know, but we still sit here and go, okay, I'm turning whatever age I'm turning. See, I won't even say my age. That's so funny. I'm turning 22 in a couple of weeks. And it's like, what do you do at 22? Who am I supposed to be? You know? And I keep like- Whoever you want to be. Yeah. And like listening to 30, I was like, holy shit. Like, okay, what are, what have other people done at 22? Like Barbara Streisand was a big star at 22. And I'm like, what am I doing with my life? If Barbara Streisand could do it, why can't I? Because she's Barbara Streisand. I'm not Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand lived in New York and was very lucky, you know? You know who I am at 22 years old? That bitch. Yeah. I'm that bitch who's going to make a legacy and be Aurora McLennan, period. Hell yeah. And I think if it's so difficult to be like, we all need to think of our lives that way. Our lives are our own and we can't compare them to someone else's. But there's always going to be that pressure. And 30 is just like a reminder of that pressure. And there's a little bit of anxiety behind it because it's like, I have not lived up to the societal pressures of being a 30 year old. Just as I sit here going, I have not lived up to the societal pressures of being a 22 year old, you know? Something super important about 30, as at the very end, there's the, it's 2020 and I'm 30, I'll do another 10, 2030, yeah. I'll be 40 and unalive myself then. Yep. Um, and afterwards he's like, so I just wanna say, don't kill yourself, just, just don't. And you see the video playing, mm -hmm. and then you see older Bo in the future listening to that. And at first, I was talking about um, one of the actors in Hot as Hell, Xander, who is a really good friend of mine. Xander, if you're listening to this, I love you so much. Um, they, We were just talking about Inside at the end of rehearsal, and 
both of us were like, yeah, I thought it was a really funny juxtaposition at first being like, oh, he's so sad. And now he's listening to him, you know, saying this optimistic stuff. But after thinking on it for like all of three minutes, I was like, oh, he's using his past words to talk him out of killing himself. And it took me three minutes of listening and I was like, wait a damn minute. And I paused it. I was like, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. And it, I, uh, as a person who has dealt with um, suicidal thoughts, it's something that you do. I often will write letters to myself to open a year in advance. I do it mm-hmm. every single year. Um, before New Year's and then on New Year's Eve I will open that letter and read it and I write a letter to myself and just being like I hope you're happy and it's kind of a thing that you do and seeing somebody do that but in such a raw way where literally it's just openly being like don't kill yourself you don't want to do that yeah yeah I that was another moment that I had to pause because I've been going through it recently because my, my brother and I both have said this. We've both been asked a couple of times, like, are you actually going to do it? And we both have the same answer. And that's, no, I've got too much to do first, <laughs> which is such a silly answer, but it's true. But like watching that back, I was like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. The amount of, like, not the amount of time, but there's been a couple of times, including that one incident where I've sat there and been like, you should just do it. And then I go, hmm, listen to yourself again. You don't have time for that. And it's like, like, I have dishes to do. Yeah. I was just like watching him watch himself. And I was like, yep. Yep. Like obviously in a different way, because I approach it differently, but I was like, hmm, yeah. Yeah. Watching that moment, I was kind of like, interesting that we all sort of have our tactic of approaching it. And mine is more like putting more pressure on myself in a different way. Um, Yeah. This got real deep and dark. <laughs> yeah, very quickly. I, however, am a person who has dealt with that before. Um, this is a lot of opening up in this episode, but I think it, this is a, a right time to open up about this. Um, I am a two-time suicide attempt survivor. Um, it's two to separate times. Uh, since then, I have gone through lots of treatment I'm still in treatment, you know, therapy, psychiatrist, and that's completely okay. And it was almost in that moment, a mirror was held up to me and was kind of like, you do this. Yeah. And you don't even realize that you do this. Mm-hmm. You don't even think about consciously like, hey, this is something you've done. And I realized I do it in things like looking through my old bullet journals um, because you can really tell the track of when I started bullet journaling, when I was really not doing great, I had a lot of memory loss um, just because I I, I felt like I was just going through the motions every day. Mm -hmm. I wasn't actually doing anything. So I started bullet journaling to help me remember things. And I literally in some books put reasons to keep going, um, snack options for when you're too lazy to cook anything, um, things like that. And looking through them, I do that whenever I feel myself getting bad again. Hmm. 
And so that moment of hearing him listen to himself just was like, you do this, but in a different way. You write letters to yourself every year. You look through your old bullet journals. You look through your old stuff because you know that it's going to stop you. And it was just the first moment that I was like, I wonder what SSRI Bo Burnham is on. Is it Prozac? <laughs> Anyways, we're going to move on from that topic. Uh, then it was intermission. Yeah, that made me laugh. Intermission made me laugh because it reminded me of like the old Rodgers and Hammerstein movie musicals. And I was like, uh, sound of music. <laughs> Next we have Don't Wanna Know, which again, not my favorite ah. song in the entire show, but it's very jazzy. And it I just made me like- I like Don't Wanna Know. I, I don't have any reason why I like it. I think I just like the sound of it. Yeah, I it like the sound of it. Well. The, I it's thought very, it'd be um, over by now. But I got a while to go. Yeah. I, I think, give away the ending, but you don't want to know. I think it's one of those ones that super relatable, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Especially like to me, who's been create, trying to create a lot of stuff during this pandemic and wearing myself thin. Um, it's very relatable, but I also try to ignore it a little bit for exactly the reason that he states in the song, because it is like, I don't want to know what it feels like. Uh, and it's right there it's right there but in the nicest manner possible so I just like listen to the melody and go oh pretty next up we have shit which a whole meme there are text messages between Aurora and I where Aurora's like how are you feeling and I was like I am not feeling good and then we just like quoted at least you didn't wake up at 11 30 all your clothes dirty most of them are oh yeah, I texted that to you, and then you said most of them are, and I went, oh, did she not get it? Oh, I got I got the bit. <laughs> I was like, would B, B would get this? Why didn't B get Oh, this? I did get it. I got it right away. <laughs> I was just really sad, so I did not That's have funny. the energy to That's fully. That's so fair. That's so fair. I was just like, oh, no. Did I quote something that B didn't pick up on? Oh, no. <laughs> There's no way I could go through that. Ah, uh, funny, funny. But yeah, shit's just a really funny way of being like, <laughs> depression, I yeah. can't take care of myself anymore. It's, it's mental health TikTok humor on display Literally, of a song. And it's like how I, we joke about trauma. Like, I don't like TikTok mental health humor because I'm just like, I'm at that point now where like, it was funny for a while. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, mm, I just want to deal with my mental health, you know? <laughs> Um, but I kind of like the song because it's like, ooh, this is how we treat it, and that's not good. <laughs> I also, I just really like the ladies. Do you feel like shit? Yeah. Tell me, do you feel like shit? I was really saying that to myself <laughs> earlier today. <laughs> I just love fellas. Fellas, do you feel like shit? Tell yeah. me, do you feel like shit? Oh yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so funny to me. <laughs> Like, I'll be in my car. I listen to it every morning as I drive to work. Hilarious. And I'm just, like, dancing in my car as I'm driving in, like, a suburban neighborhood to get fucking Starbucks at 5.30 in the morning. Just listening, blasting shit life. over. And I really life. am. It's my favorite part of my day at this point. I'm going. I'm about to get my coffee. This is always filled with water, and I'm sipping on my water, and I'm just blasting shit by Bo Burnham, and just... Hilarious. Yeah, Hilarious. That, 
I just think um, it really shows how this generation, there's also, I'll talk about this again later, um, how this generation has dealt with our trauma because all the yeah. time we're like, <laughs> yeah, everything in my life is a mess, but <laughs> let's make a joke. I think um, that's partially because we are finally addressing mental health and trauma, but not making it accessible. So oh, what yeah. do we have except humor? The fact that we're fucking hilarious because yeah. we dealt with trauma. I'm I am so I'm funny. perpetuating the stereotype we're talking about right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, um but I yeah, but uh, yeah, this song is a really good example of that. And long story short, uh, therapy should be free. Um therapy period. should be covered under healthcare. Next we have oh yeah. <laughs> I actually get um, coverage for mental health services through Starbucks. So, thanks for listening to the podcast. I'm gonna go uh, burn your Starbucks. house down. Cool. I have the cup fund, so it'll be <laughs> fine. Uh, up next, we have all-time low, which is exactly how I was feeling last night when I was trying yeah. to go to sleep. That yeah, that one. I really appreciate all-time low because uh, yeah. Yeah, um, for me again, it shows it in a jokey way where you're like, mm-hmm. but I also view it as like I have to outwardly be like, yeah, I'm great. I feel terrible, but I'm great, and I'm here for you in this Zoom meeting, ready to be a support for this company, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But on the inside, I am dead. Like right now, if I wasn't, all, I've been laying on the couch all day because I just feel like burnt, you know. And I have a rehearsal after this. So I am once again going to be putting on a face. But underneath it all, I am like, I would like to cease to exist. I do not want to be seen by the world. I do not want to exist in this world. That's what all time low is to me. Same. Also, it's Atlanta. Um, Up next, <laughs> welcome to the internet. Nope, done. Moving on. Goodbye. I'll talk about welcome to the internet yeah, for a bit. Um, I think it shows are really, um, welcome to the internet freaks me out. Um, Because listening to it, I'm a person who I guess has a following on the internet. Um, And I'm continuing to build a following. And seeing all these different things of like hat covering up all these fucking terrible things um, with just, jokes and uh life hacks and dances and things it's like I'm contributing to that and so it freaked me the fuck out and I was like I'm I'm a terrible person I'm a terrible person but Mm -hmm. then I I also had to remember that like I choose how I run my platform yeah and kind of going back to white woman's Instagram being like no, no, I can choose to talk more about mental health and yeah. be open about what I'm feeling with people on the internet rather than just being like, everything's good. Yeah. But it freaked me the fuck out. It shows a really good, it shows how fun and how dangerous the internet can be. Oh, absolutely. I had a, I said this earlier, I had a full breakdown during Welcome to the Internet and I, it's taken me forever to figure out exactly why. But I think part of it is because I I wasn't really allowed on the internet until I was about 11 or so. Um, so I didn't, I wasn't 
slowly integrated like so many of my friends have been, which is so weird to say because also a lot of people our around our age didn't grow up with the internet at all. Like it was, yeah, it was I didn't. like a mid nineties. Yeah. I like I we had a computer in our house, but I was only really allowed to use it for games. Like I had a couple of like so I was very disconnected from the world. And like at eleven, you're supposed to be, you know, you're not really supposed to know what's going on. Um but when I was 13, my dad was like, yeah, we'll create you a Facebook and a Twitter account, but it had to be secret because my mom couldn't know. So suddenly I was on these accounts, unsupervised, exploring the world, you know? And Facebook and Twitter are terrifying places to be as a child. And like, I didn't, you know, I know a lot of kids get on them when they're like seven and eight years old, God knows why just to like appear cool and whatever, I guess. Yeah, my kids are never. No, they are terrifying places to be. And like, I got lucky with Twitter. I ended up in like the theater community, which, you know, outwardly you think, oh, wonderful place to be. Not at all. Not at all. I was bullied on Twitter <laughs> by strangers for no reason when I was like 14 years old. Um. But then, you know, as I get older and I've now, you know, been on social media for a while and I start to be bullied in real life and experience like actual issues and like seeing that all play out on social media and like. I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh at that, but as soon as you were like, then I started getting bullying, getting getting bullied in real life. I was like. <laughs> I, well, I was same. I was bullied a lot before that, but like we're gonna talk about social media aspect of it. Um, you know, I was watching like face, uh, friendships crumble via social media and then suddenly it was like well why aren't you actively talking about everything that's happening in the world on your social media do you not support everything and I was like I just lost my friend for no good goddamn reason and you want me to start talking about a war that I know absolutely nothing about otherwise I'm a bad person social media doesn't allow you to mourn your own life before it forces you to pay attention to something else and if you're not paying attention to the right things you're a bad person you know and like there's been so much time where I'm like well I guess I have to retweet that otherwise I'll be seen as a bad person but I'm so uneducated on that that if I start yeah. people start asking me questions about it I'm not going to be able to talk to them so it's like this um catch-22 it's like do I retweet this so I seem like a like a you know good person or do I not retweet it so that I can either save myself the pressure and the anxiety or so I can go educate myself. And when I was younger, I would just not retweet things because I was like, I don't want to have to deal with that. And as I've gotten older, I'm like, no, I'm going to retweet it because, you know, that I want people to know that I care. And now I'm sitting here going, it's not about no people knowing that I care. It's me understanding what I understand, you know? And social media doesn't really let you be that way. Social media expects you to outwardly show where you stand. And the minute you fall out of line with that, you're shot dead, you know? Social media, at least in my opinion, is the cause of a lot of performative activism. Yeah. 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 Because it's so easy for you to retweet something and say that you care. And people are like, oh, this this person retweets all this stuff. They They posted the black square on their Instagram for Black Lives Matter. And, you know, they posted a photo of them at a protest. And, mm-hmm. but I remember going to at least the Black Lives Matter protest in my town. And so many people 
taking photos and using it as a photo opportunity rather than a place to speak out. And there was a situation where there was a black woman being harassed while she's trying to speak and nobody said anything. I was the only person that stood between this white woman and the black woman. I didn't say anything. I stood to keep the white woman from getting at the black woman. And everybody else just kept taking their photos and holding their signs and posing. And I was like, this isn't, this isn't a photo opportunity. This is life or death for black people. Yeah. I posted a few photos from the event but my phone wasn't out the whole time. Mm-hmm. I spent most of the time listening to the yeah. voices of the people of color around me mm-hmm. because that is one chance where they were willing to speak to me as a white person and say what I could do to help. I should never expect that from them. Yeah, It's a time when they were and I chose to listen rather than take photos for my Instagram. And that's the biggest problem with the internet in my opinion is that it's the cause of a lot of performative activism and tokenism of people of color i'm getting heated it's also though um the cause of a lot of um harassment oh yeah so much um because if you are not exactly what people expect you to be you're wrong it's also twitter in particular has developed this um culture of you have to think this one way this one very very I talked about my on the fenceness of liberalism before on the pod um but it's that yeah I talked when (laughs) wait a minute what episode Um, was that I don't remember but I'll explain it briefly again it's just that there's we forget that to be a good caring person it goes beyond like liberalism as it stands right now is focused on middle-class white people okay and that is not liberalism that's not being a liberal or a democrat or whatever that's being biased and bigoted you know and i used aoc as an example i think that was two episodes ago i can't remember um I don't hate AOC. I used her as an example because she came from a lower class family and is now creating um, laws and stuff that focus mostly on the middle class. That was my example. Um, But the thing about Twitter is that you have a lot of people who um, are very focused on that middle class, et cetera. And then a lot of people who will be like, okay, well, why don't you care about this? Okay, well, why don't you care about this? Like you can't, you're not a liberal or you're not like a good person if you don't care about this. And it's like, we cannot physically know everything and care about everything. And when it's it's really, a lot of it is younger people and it's very, very good that they care and are educated, but you have to understand that we as human beings cannot handle knowing everything and cannot handle processing everything. And when we try to throw all of that at ourselves, we develop mental health issues, you know? So it's good to be aware, but we can't harass people for not being aware. And that's what a big thing that's happening on social media. I guess I think to wrap all of this up into a bow, because into a bow, (laughs) um, is the internet moves very quickly. 
which is, in my opinion, why the song always speeds up. Oh, absolutely. Always getting faster because the the internet moves quickly, but it's okay um, with not just activism or being an ally to, you know, women, LGBTQ, BIPOC, any of those people. Um, it's okay to slowly take your time, but you still have to be willing to make yourself uncomfortable. Again, something from the book Absolutely. I'm reading. Um, yeah, you this, have to be, you have to be this, willing, but... This work is not supposed to be comfortable. You're not supposed to have fun becoming aware of your own supremacy. Yeah. Um, and this isn't saying like, oh, because I am female presenting and I'm in the LGBTQ plus community, I can't have white supremacy. No, mm -hmm. I can't have white supremacy. I have white supremacy because I am a white person. It is something I possess because of society. Yep. Um, and it's things that I am taught growing up as a kid, which I am now, thankfully, because of my own realizations, trying to dismantle. And sometimes, example, with this book, I've taken a bit of a break from doing the work because it made me uncomfortable and put me in a really depressive episode. And Layla even says in the book, it's okay if you need to take breaks. Mm -hmm. take breaks if you yeah. need them because this work needs to be about love mm -hmm. so I think to wrap this up in a bow it's okay to take your time with this stuff mm -hmm. and it's okay to not post. know everything yeah and it's okay to not post everything on social media it is okay to not retweet everything it is okay to not know what's going on at the Georgia Zoo, you know? Anyways, next. <laughs> um, we have Bezos too. Yeah. Funny. Another, Funny. Another really nice juxtaposition. Oh, great with uh, Welcome to the Internet shifting to Bezos too. Yeah. Um, imagine me. Of, like the Jeffrey, you did it. Imagine me sobbing through Welcome to the Internet. Bezos 2 comes on. I am still sobbing and also giggling at the same time. Like, I am a full mental breakdown mess and also giggling. Imagine the insanity. After that um, is the next two songs are my two favorite songs in the entire special. Um, that funny feeling. Yeah, it's a good one. It's, yeah. And I had a I recognized what the funny feeling was um, the other day. I thought I knew. Uh, my favorite line in that funny feeling is a gift shop at the gun range, a mass shooting at the mall, um, or the quiet comprehending of the ending of it all. Those are my, my favorite two lines in the entire thing. And I think that funny feeling shows how we as Generation Z, um, it, a lot of younger people, I learned this from when I worked as a scare actor uh, with like high school kids, but it's not cool to use like the laughing crying emoji. Um, it's Whoops. cooler, it's cooler to use um, the skull. So we associate funny things with being dead. Um, and it's almost just like, yeah. it's just it's just thinking of like 
the, the entire world is a series of juxtapositions. Yeah. Um, or just terrible, terrible things happening, but we cover it up with uh, doing this thing or doing this thing or how the world has turned so much into a virtual world rather than mm. the actual physical world. Um, yeah. um, it's so hard to talk about that funny feeling, but I kind of had the other day my own funny feeling um sitting in bed and I'm talking to a snapchat video and as I'm talking and saying stuff I stopped and I was like in my head I went there's that funny feeling Mm -hmm. where I'm like so many good things can be happening but so many bad things are happening and I'm just like here and I don't know what to do. Yeah, I I sort of view the song slightly differently, slightly. Um, so for a long time and still currently, when I visit my grandparents, I get this weird anxiety feeling that I have always just referred to as this funny feeling that I get. And I didn't really figure out, I've never really figured out what it is. I just, for whatever reason, the longer I'm around them, the more I just get like, anxious and nauseous and start to disassociate and derealize and I've never been able to like clock what it is and then I was listening to this song and I had to pull up the lyrics I had to get this the whole thing right and it was the full agoraphobic losing focus cover blown a book on getting better hand delivered by a drone total disassociation fully out your mind googling disrealization hating what you find um and then that an apparent summer air and early fall the quiet comprehending at the end of it all um it's that comprehending that like, for me, it's that comprehending that everything ends and there's nothing we can do to stop it. But realizing and really processing that life really is just this boring, mundane, go about it until it ends thing. And you can't change that. And like, that's that feeling that I get that like anxious, slightly nauseous feeling that I get when I'm around my grandparents because they've just been living this life for however long and it is going to end. And that's such like a dark way to look at it, I know. But like all these terrible, terrible things happen in life and all these progressions happen and we choose to ignore it because it is easier to ignore it and go through our lives and then just let our lives end, you know, than it is to address things and change things. It's easier to just let it go and die than it is to stand up, try and stop or change things and have us be remembered, you know? But there's also a feeling of not being able to change things. You're like, what oh, am I going to do? Um, which again, ties into that funny feeling. Absolutely. Um, this song, including All Eyes On Me, um, but the same part, the total disassociation, fully at your mind, Googling to realization, hating what you find. I remember when my psychiatrist first brought up to me that he thought I might have DID. Mm -hmm. And I Googled it and was like, no, no, I, I don't, I, I don't like hearing about that. Yeah. And I don't like it. 
and that that was the song that made me just it broke me yours was welcome to the internet mine was that funny feeling because i was just like that is exactly what happened to me about a year ago so I was like, I did the exact same thing. I was like, I'm going to learn about this. And oh, shit, I don't like that thing. Let's close the laptop and yeah. we'll go and just tell jokes. Yeah, because it's easier to just go through life than face it. And then that song goes, that funny feeling goes into All Eyes on Me. I never understood All Eyes on Me until recently. <laughs> I love All Eyes on Me. That is I, one of my favorite songs because it's this, to me, it's not just um, one person singing. It's like a person and then a future version of themselves. Hmm. Kind of being like, dude, the ocean's rising. Like I give a shit. You said the whole world's ending though. And then it's like, it already did. You're not gonna slow it. Heaven knows you tried, got it good. Now get inside. Mm-hmm. it's like a conversation you're having with yourself of you've tried to slow it and you know what you can do now exist yeah for me it's it's just it also feels like just a progression from welcome to the internet to that funny feeling to all eyes on me like they, the three of them all just tie into that like that culture of you have to be aware you have to change things, but it's so hard to exist and change things. It's so hard to exist in a world that expects you to be bigger than just a human being. Oh yeah. And it's the point where Bo gets to talk about the anxiety that he has of having all eyes on him. Exactly. Exactly. He talks in that song. Mind you, he did release a version that is just the song. It doesn't have the speech in the middle, but he talks about how he was, he quit comedy. And it explained to me why he fell off the face of the earth. Earth, And again, this made me break down. I was like, yeah, I'm a dickhead because I was like, Bo needs to come back and do comedy. Why isn't he coming back and doing comedy? I never knew. And he was finally like, I quit because I was having panic attacks on stage. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh. And how it was so ironic the irony of in January of 2020, I thought I'm going to start performing again. And then the funniest thing happened. Mm -hmm. The thing that led him to having to be back inside this box. Yeah. Back into mental illness. And it just, that I love all eyes on me. That speech kind of broke me a little bit because as artists, well, as people, like as people in the 21st century in general, it's all about hustling. It's all about, you have to make money. You have to create, you have to whatever. And I can't help but think about people like Robin Williams, who you start to burn out. You start to get older. You start to develop develop illnesses. And the world tells you, you've got to keep going. You've got to keep going because there's an expectation on you you know, especially as a celebrity and you physically cannot, you know? You and I am genuinely so proud of Bo for taking the time off. Oh he yeah, that's so much respect. Yeah. So much it's, respect for him so as people, an artist. So many people aren't given that opportunity, you know? And like, I just, when I heard that, okay, I use Robin Williams as an example because Robin Williams was really such an important part of my childhood. Um, I use him as an example because 
not because I think, you know, if Robin Williams had taken time off, he would still be alive today. I can't say that, obviously. But I wonder if mental health was more accepted when he was a little bit younger, if perhaps he would have taken time off and thus would still be making films, you know? I just got me thinking about that. I do like that you brought up the connection between uh, Welcome to the Internet, that funny feeling and All Eyes on Me. All Eyes on Me. Um, this is going to be so dumb for me to bring up, but somebody on TikTok took All Eyes on Me and pitched it up to what Bo was actually singing, and then he took and pitched down to make it lower. Um, and hearing his voice singing, I'll send you the audio if you want, because it, they, they took the music out, it's just the vocals. And you hear Bo. And it's almost like you can feel exactly what he's feeling. And it's just like, huh yeah and it's almost like all eyes on me is that funny feeling yep there it is and i just that's exactly that's exactly where i was going with this in a second all eyes on me is yep that funny feeling and like again the funniest thing happened and yep that's the line that's the line there it is that funny feeling and this is where if you want proof that Bo Burnham is a genius. And again, it's clear that this was not his original intention when creating this special. You know, he wanted to create a comedy special, obviously. But this is where it starts to show that this man thought it through. This man really is self-reflective and maybe to a self-destructive point at times, which is, you know, part of mental illness. Um, As am I. Oh yeah, me as well. You can totally tell that this is so thought through. He is very smart artistically and this is just an example of that you can see his progression through it all and you can see where he's coming you can just see it all you can read it all you know it's right there for you he doesn't hide it in a way that would like be like fake smart you know yeah yeah and last but not least is goodbye um, I always call it possible ending song because he's like, this is a possible ending song that is not finished. Mm-hmm. I like how this song also if in uh, just a little thing um, that I love is in the very beginning when he's looking in the mirror, he says, hi, yeah, this is, and then in goodbye, say bye. Hey, here's a fun idea. How about I sit on the couch and I watch you next time? Um, it's a really great moment for that we see this reflection of the past year of his life mm-hmm. and how he's tried to grow through the past year and you know how how he's dealt with that mentally and it brings back so many of the most important songs at least in my opinion in the entire special back into one big bow it's it's a very musical theater ending in that sense oh yeah oh yeah um but we're both in a facebook group called not wasting my 20s and somebody um at you know comments what does everyone think of inside and i think goodbye is a really good sum up of 
what I think of it. Because even though, you know, he's saying goodbye to, you know, the special and saying goodbye to the audience and everything, it's the perfect ending because it brings everything back together. But it's also like it, yeah, as you said, it wraps it up in this beautiful bow and this beautiful package that, you know, from start to finish is a piece. It is a complete piece. A lot of times with like comedy specials or concerts, it's song, 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 or joke, 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 joke. This is a piece, which is artistic in itself. But when you go from start to finish, from the beginning to goodbye, this is a piece that will stand on its own for a long time. It is a piece that marks this time in history. And when you get to goodbye and he sort of sums it all up and he gets to like, maybe I can watch you next time and everything. It's looking back, like I was watching that and listening to it for the first time. And I was like, no, this, this, this is 2020. This is something they should show in history. Like obviously so many things else have happened, but if you want to mark the emotional and mental state of society, which is something that historians love to do, looking back, it's gonna be inside. You have to look it inside. And once you get to goodbye and you sort of see the culmination of all the emotions, you realize like inside is the culmination, the example of the emotions of 2020 and the pandemic. I just, I find times um, my favorite part of that entire song is, am I going crazy? Would I even know? And then right back where I started 14 years ago, want to guess the ending. If it ever does, I swear to God that all I've ever wanted was a little bit of everything all of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, that part, when I first listened to it, I was like, yeah. It, that's literally how I feel uh, with my mental health all the time. I'm not going to cry. Stop it. <laughs> Don't cry. Get back in there. Um, that is how I feel often. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you think you're making so much progress and then you're like, I'm back where I started. Yep. I'm back inside this, yep. this box where... It's just me being sad. And then at the very end, there's the light. He turns and you see this messy room and he's surrounded by everything and disheveled. And like I said, stripped down everything. He put his everything into this special. Mm -hmm. And what I really want to talk about is the very ending of this special. Um, After goodbye ends he's sitting in the room it's just him chair all white clothes and the door opens mm-hmm. he can leave he closes it behind him and realizes that there's an audience watching him and he starts to panic he's having a panic attack he's trying to get back inside the room but he can't he can't get back inside and come out with your hands up we've got you surrounded we've got you surrounded is the audience that's all the eyes on him watching him and they're all laughing as he struggles and he's sitting there again watching on the projector and he looks so pissed off at all these people laughing at him and thinking that his pain is hilarious but then he starts to smile because he was able to heal the world with comedy yep 
And then it ends with, you know, seeing the team that backed him up. He thanks uh, Lore, his girlfriend, and there is a number for Suicide Hotline. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the best ending he could have made. Yeah, I agree. I think I, I think it's very um, metaphorical in a sense. So it goes over a lot of people's heads. I know some people are very confused by the ending. Um, I loved the ending. I, yeah, I think it's the perfect ending to that piece because it really brings everything back full circle. When he says like, how about I sit on the couch and I watch you next time? There were people that were like, Bo didn't want this to blow up. He literally said, how about I sit on the couch and watch you next time? Us using these songs for TikTok and analyzing them and making video essays and recording podcasts on it. He gets to sit on the couch and watch us. Yeah. He gets to hear us tell a joke with no one laughing in the background. And that's completely okay. Yeah. And he gets to do that. And I hope he knows that his work and his art will out like this inside has now made him he's made his this to me is how Bo Burnham will stay in pop culture forever yeah and I hope I hope he realizes that oh yeah he doesn't ever I hope he realizes that he doesn't need to ever compare himself to this oh never he, he never needs to try and be better than inside or as good as inside Inside is a piece. Inside is a combination of emotions and It's own work of art. It is its own work of art. And an artist never needs to replicate their own work of art. And I hope Bo Burnham, I'm sure he's feeling a lot of pressure right now because of how this piece is blown up. And I don't think, I don't think he ever had any intention for it to not blow up or blow up. I think he just made it to make it because he wanted to make it. And I think by saying he didn't want it to, he didn't want it to blow up as gatekeeping it. And I know I said at the beginning that I had wanted to keep gatekeepers from the beginning, but you can't do that because this piece is literally healing people in a way as he wanted. But I, I, I know he's feeling pressure right now. I don't know him personally, obviously, but I'm assuming he's feeling imagine. pressure right now. But I really hope he realizes that if he does decide to ever make anything again, and he doesn't need to, he really doesn't need to. And again, there might oh, be yeah. pressure too. He never needs to create something like inside again. He has full power to create whatever he wants. And there are going to be people who are going to try and compare everything he makes to inside because that's the way the world works. Ha. Huh. Um, but he never needs to be as good. Artists who try to constantly one-up themselves end up just burying themselves in the ground. Artists who create what they want to create because they can, and sometimes it blows up, sometimes it becomes this amazing thing that literally leaves a mark on society, and sometimes it's just a piece that they created that people enjoy. Those are the artists that withstand and continue to create and continue to make their mark, you know? I hope he realizes that he never needs to one-up inside. He never needs to to recreate inside in another sense. I hope he realizes that like the fans that he has will always support him no matter what he creates, even if it is not inside again, you know? Yes. Inside um, too, stuck here still. So uh, to kind of close this out, there's something that I want to tell you, Aurora. 
so I know we said um, we're not expecting Bo Burnham to create anything new, but apparently he did a show a few nights ago, a live show. I thought you were going to say he's on this call right now, Aurora. Oh my God. Oh my God. I would have, I'm looking for- I was like, B, where is he? Where's Bo? <laughs> Let me da, 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 find where was it? Um, but there is he did a, a live show in um, Los Angeles. So um, if he chooses to tour again, which again, Bo, if you're listening to this, which you're probably not, you don't have to tour again. You don't have to. You don't have to do anything. I will be content for the rest of my life watching the specials you have put out and watching compilations of interviews of you on YouTube. And what, like, I, I am content doing that. But if you decide to go on there, Aurora, we're, we're going, right? Yeah. Absolutely, oh, yeah. we're going. Yeah. If he goes to Toronto, like, we're, we're going. And mm-hmm. I'm going to cry the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing is that we expect artists to constantly create things, but art is, you can't be creative 24 seven. Sometimes your creativity runs out. Sometimes it's exhausting to be creative for other people, you know? You can't expect people to continue to be creative their whole life and to continue to put out content. Content is exhausting. Oh yeah. Content, I hate the word content. Content is, is exhausting. And if you're constantly creating things for other people, it's exhausting. So we cannot expect Bo Burnham to, you know, keep, like, bounce from this to another special, to another special. We can't expect that, you know? No, there's no way. I just remembered. I've seen eighth grade. I forgot eighth grade. Yeah. I totally forgot that. that. I forgot. That was my first intro to Bo Burnham was eighth grade. There we go. Anyway, um... Anyways, I think we should close this mother out because yeah. we've been talking for two hours. I think it's gonna have to be a two-parter B. <laughs> a two-part, two-part podcast. It's fine. What are we gonna try this week? I am going to try to forgive myself for my perfectionism and, and pressures. Forgive myself for the pressures that I put on myself to be something that I physically can't be. That's a lot better than what I was going to say. What were you going to say? I'm going to watch Inside again. That's fine, too. <laughs> That's good. Do that. <laughs> Anyways, um, I hope you all enjoyed this week of the podcast. Uh, we're very happy to be back. Yes. Um, uh, I'm happy to yeah. have my Mondays back in general to record podcasts. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be doing this again. I'm very tired today. Me too. Hey, folks, you know the drill. Follow us on Instagram. Leave us a voice memo. The link in our bio. And tune in next Sunday for another fun-filled rant yeah. session. Tell us um, what your favorite song from inside is. Yeah, do that. Do All, right. All right. We will see y'all next week. Hey. Do, 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 do. I haven't done this in a while. No.